0: Welcome, welcome to the Heads Together podcast. I'm your host, Jo Mokes, and today I am joined by just one of my favorite New Yorkers. Her name is Tosca De Matteo, and she is fabulous. She's a keynote speaker. She's an author. She's a transformational coach, and she's the founder of Tosca Coaching and Consulting. Now, the topic that we're going to be chatting about today is the inner critic work that Tosca does with her clients. She's the absolute expert on this topic and she really makes huge differences in the lives of her clients. We really agree on this, that this inner critic work that she does is just completely foundational for empowering people to really go after their big goals, that full fat version of the life they want that I'm always talking about. So let's dive in because I can't wait for you to meet her. Let's go. Welcome, welcome to the Heads Together podcast. I'm Jill Mokes and I am obsessed with cutting through the noise when it comes to growing your business. Each week, via intimate coaching conversations and inspirational stories, I share what it really takes to get the results you want in a way that feels right to you. I am all about attracting higher ticket opportunities, building authentic relationships, and creating the abundant, full-fat version of your dream business. I mean, how many of us have beavered away creating a light version of what we really want? The thing is, I honestly believe when you're outstanding at what you do, there is no limit to what you can achieve. So are you ready to put our heads together and make it happen? Let's go. Hi, Tosca. How are you? Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you so much. It's amazing to be here on your epic podcast.
0: Oh, thank you. You are so sweet. And I love that you've taken the time to listen to some episodes and you always say such kind things. And I really appreciate it that you've taken the time to have a listen in and, and your podcast too, the Unlock Lab is fabulous. I really urge everyone listening, go and check it out because it's a really, really good solid podcast one of those ones that you wait to drop in your inbox so thank you for joining me I'd love you to tell everyone listening a bit about you and and what you do
1: yeah well thank you thank you for that I appreciate it oh man this is always like the you know I don't have an elevator pitch I I kind of just my story changes every time (laughs) it's like what am I gonna yeah like well, knowing your audience, right, business owners. So, like, I, I had a twenty-five-plus year career in corporate, in organizations, in matrixed organizations, and had that whole experience of how do you thrive, how do you survive in those environments. And for me, you know, I loved what I learned. I was a marketer by trade, brand you know, brand management stuff, but also I just am a human that's very sensitive to how I'm treated, how others are treated, because I grew up and was born with a visible birth defect. And what happened was in 2018, I started looking at my life and saying, like, am I living my best life? Cause I'm, you know, really a big proponent of that. Of like, am I getting out of my own way? And yeah. I ended up launching my own coaching and consulting business to support others in that work of like honoring their full power and honoring like the story that they have to share with the world. And so I'm a coach and consultant now doing that, that work. And the bigger mission of it is really making sure workplaces are, are healthy for everybody.
0: Absolutely. So most of your clients presumably are in like the corporate space. It's it's in that kind of corporate environment. Is that right? Or do you sometimes work with smaller business owners as well?
1: Yeah, it's both. I work with professionals. So whether they're in an organization or whether they are trying to figure out what's next. And that often becomes their business or they've had something on the side and they're focusing on it more. So I work with a lot of small business owners, entrepreneurs as well.
0: And Tosca, the reason I was really thrilled that you agreed to come on the podcast is because I think your story is really inspiring and I love how directly your story has influenced the work that you now do. And By that, I mean the work that you kind of specialise in, right, around helping people overcome their inner critic. And I just feel like so many people are going to resonate with this because it's not even directly the same as imposter syndrome. I don't feel like it's exactly the same as that. It's deeper. Yeah. Can you perhaps just position that for us a little bit and explain the kind of work that you do?
1: I do the work to help people really understand what their truth is and what what their intuition is saying and what actually brings them joy and what they actually want in their life and in their business. And the deepest foundation of that work is understanding what obstacles are in the way of even being able to... Uncover that truth and the inner critics, the dialogue that we tell ourselves is such a big part of how we get in our own way and how if we're not careful, we are following that counsel and advice and therefore staying small. I think over time, right? We get molded. We have society messages. We have our upbringing we we have generations of messages that get embedded yeah. and until we understand well who am i versus who you know are these messages what i truly believe i think it's hard to unlock your full potential until you can really dive in and say what here needs healing what here needs just letting go of and deleting yeah and not putting a bandaid on it like not mindsetting ourselves, but saying like, can I really embody my truth and tap into that and see it for all its beauty and glory?
0: Right. I know personally that I wasn't good at doing this for a long time. Like I'm 56 this year and I know that I probably until I was really close to 40, before I really started questioning some of the stories that I'd grown up with as facts. I mean, I was honestly probably nearer 30 when I realised that I didn't actually want to vote the same way my parents voted. You know, like <laughs> and and I think it it's so easy to grow up with just inheriting beliefs and not questioning them. What I find, and I don't know if you agree with this, is that when you do start questioning,
1: it's like a box you can't put the lid back on, right? Absolutely. And I think growing up in the eras that we've grown up in, right, the tools weren't there to be like, hey, do you think maybe you should question this stuff? You know, there's so much now that's like accessible to 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 help kind of shake people awake. And like, we didn't have that. Like, I'm just so excited for the current and future generations because there is more out there to help people see the patterns that they're in and hopefully the tools to decipher between what's absolute crap and what's true.
0: Yeah. And how do we do that though when it comes to ourselves? So coming back to that inner critic, that voice that has been formed by all those years of learned behaviors, of inherited stories, you know, how do we recognize when our inner critic is being really unfair to us? Mm. (laughs) Where do you start with that work?
1: Well, and it's a great question because I think what happens is these narratives, these voices get so intertwined with who we are that we think it's who we are. Yeah. And that's why it's so difficult. Cause it's like, Oh, it's just who I am. Like I'm the person that beats myself up to push myself to do the next thing. And the very, very first step is really deepening awareness of what are you saying to yourself? And also like, what feelings do you have throughout the day? Cause it may come up for certain people as feelings or sensations versus like the inner dialogue that you're having. But most people have like that, that inner dialogue. And it's really being aware of what am I saying to myself? And is it serving me? Is it serving me in the short term? And the long term, cause sure, it may serve you in the short term because you don't want to be uncomfortable with doing something different or saying the thing or holding the boundary. But in the long term, it's just going to keep you where you are. Right. So really, really paying attention. And, and I often suggest that people keep a journal for like at least a week, maybe even two and listen to yourself and. Externalize it so you can actually see how you're treating yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I can hear some New York coming and goings into the back. Well, oh my god, this is so you hear my dog howling because there's that the dog. The, <laughs> the dog howling because there's a fire. It's not someone going. being attacked. A... Hello, New York. I can't hide it. And I have speakers on and I have like I all it. these things.
0: That was hilarious.
1: <laughs> It's like, pay attention, audience. There's sirens going off. To me, it's like, oh, that's that's a little bit of magic. Oh,
0: so interesting. Yes.
1: Absolutely. There's a bit of magic right there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that made me think of our joint friend Deborah Driscoll. I heard her yeah, voice she's, there. That's
1: magic. Yeah, she's incredible. That's the magic uh, in us. She is. Yeah. Love her. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I want to share something with you, actually, because you just reminded me of something that this really has brought up for me, this conversation. Because when I was younger, my mum would always tell me that I was just such a flim flammer. And by that, she would mean, oh, you're always doing this and then doing that. You never see anything through to the end. You're blowing hot and cold on things all the time. You never complete anything. And that is a story about myself that I really Brought through into my adulthood, that was became who I was, and I would I would make the joke about it before anyone else did, you know, say, "Oh well, you know, it's me. I'll probably never finish it." And it was uh, only really a few years ago that I really listened to what I was saying about that and and challenged it and said, actually. Is it a bad thing like it was positioned to me? Or is it that actually I'm a really brave person who's really comfortable trying lots of different things and failing and not keeping them up because I lose interest? And it, why is that a bad thing? Maybe in some areas of my life, that's actually served me really bloody well. It's behind the business I have today, definitely. It's behind me making pivots when I started the wrong business. So I could easily have just kept on to that to that belief, couldn't I? And just kind of like, oh, beating myself up about that all the time. But it wasn't a story that's true for me now.
1: I love that. Yeah,
0: that's really come up for me, just listening to what you were saying.
1: I love that you shared that. And actually, that's so much of what this work is too, is like... When something comes up from your past, like there's so much value in paying attention to that and not just dismissing it. And for your listeners, right? For like what comes up for them on this episode, like that is everything. That is your intuition. That is your knowing that this experience that I'm thinking of that likely was like a long time ago. This matters and this is worth taking a look at. And first of all, thank you because for a number of reasons. First of all, I think a lot of people that have different passions and different interests deal with exactly what you've dealt with in your past and have to rewire because not only, right, from parental messages or perhaps either educators and other people like really, but it's also a societal message that's subliminal and overt that society says because of industrial age, right? Focus, niche, do one thing, do it well, be efficient. Like we don't necessarily think of all these other messages that come in in so many different ways that add to this false belief that it's bad or not okay, or a disadvantage to have multiple interests. Yes,
0: I just could not agree more. I feel like we're made, we're almost bullied out of it. You know, I know a lot of multi-passionate entrepreneurs who absolutely refuse to compromise and refuse to give up. The things they love. And here's the key thing though, because you do have to be willing to take some of the consequences of that decision as well. You know, we all know it is harder to market a business if you've got two distinctly different audiences or two distinctly different offers. It is harder, but that doesn't mean it's wrong for you. It means that you just need to make decisions for your business or your life in the full knowledge of all the pluses and
1: minuses, isn't it? Yes. And in a way, right? Like and look, people project, right? They project their experiences, their biases, all this stuff on you, right? Because they're sitting there like how would I manage these four or five things I'm interested in? How would I like right? They can't even imagine what that would look like because we don't necessarily have all the examples I think we do now with multifaceted, multi-passionate, multidimensional fo- businesses, individuals, organizations. But I think a big part of it is like, I can't see that roadmap, so I'm not going to suggest it. Or I can't see that roadmap, so I don't even want to take the first step towards it. Let me do something that feels like it's easier or that society says is the right thing to do. And that's where we get into the trap because we're not honoring the fullness of our superpowers. And it doesn't mean it makes it easier.
0: (laughs) And But that's the path. That's the reality, and maybe that's your path. It doesn't mean it's easier. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It might mean that sticking to the one expected thing, that might be the easier path. But that's not what we're trying to build, is it in our lives? I don't believe. I don't think most people, most people are more fulfilled when they bring that full fat version of their their dream life into reality.
1: Yeah and I think there's a difference right between having clarity on your message and and having maybe an even an anchor right so that other people can kind of better wrap their heads around it but that's not to say I got to throw out all these other things that I like to do. These are different concepts. It's like messaging and clarity around that bigger umbrella. I call it like the golden thread of our mm-hmm. journey, the bigger messaging that, that overarches everything that we do. And I don't care how desperate your passions are. I'm telling you, there's a golden thread because that's part of the work I do, right? It's like finding that like, Oh, well, all of this makes sense because, you know, you're interested in x right which is that bigger thread or umbrella but i what i have found in my experience is that when you can become clear with yourself and maybe you're even like focusing on something right because what you focus on grows that all these other things get attracted anyway, because you're just in this energy of honoring I can still do all this other stuff, and I'm making a choice to talk about this thing because I think that's going to be like the unlock anyway for all the other things
0: that's it, absolutely, And what happens when we can't fight off that in a critic? What do you see happening with the people uh, you know when they come to you? Where are they? What are they experiencing as a result of that?
1: One quick thing I would say, right, is my belief around inner critic work is it's not about fighting your inner critics. It's actually about loving them deeply.
0: Oh, well, that's really interesting. Tell me more about that.
1: The formation of our inner critics happen when we're really young. We may be able to see the pattern that starts maybe when we were older, but actually, most of our deepest wounds start pretty early on or, or maybe in those really, really big pivotal moments in our life. But the inner critic voice is formed as a safety department, as a source of support and help. At that time, it's the toolkit that you have. So let's just say you're five, right? Mm-hmm. And, and somebody does something to you. Now your body's like, how do I protect her? from experiencing that again. And the tools might be, for example, well, I'm going to like build my walls. I'm just not going to let anybody in because if anybody comes in, I might risk like getting hurt or disappointed. And at those earlier stages of our life, it is love. It is basic survival, right? It is acceptance because if we're not accepted, right? Like our survival is threatened. So we have to love these parts of us because at the end of the day, they were created To support us and to protect us and to help us. And the change now is that we don't need it anymore. And they're actually keeping us small or they're, or they're keeping us from experiencing joy, but that part of us doesn't necessarily know. So it requires an embracing to say, I love that part of me because that part of me also cares. And I need to shift my relationship with it because Go on vacation, my friend. Like, I don't, I don't need your voice to tell me not to speak up in the, in the meeting because I know better. I'm not going to shrivel. I'm not going to die because somebody says my idea is bad.
0: Right. It's that, it is that like, stop worrying about me. I've got this, you know. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, because when I think about that story I just shared about, you know, this mum always saying I was this flim flammer, and sometimes that rears its head. If I'm overwhelmed, perhaps, and I've maybe taken on, maybe said yes to a few too many things, I will start on that journey of saying to myself, oh, not again. You've done it again, Jill you've done it again you've you know you've started things and you're not going to finish them or you're not going to do this and that will be before i've even really processed what i actually want to do with any of the the stuff i'm planning you know but i will sort of nip myself in the bud and i've i have learned now to be really aware of that i'm really conscious of myself doing it and i have to almost almost out loud i mean it's not out loud but it feels like it almost could be out loud say to myself Hang on. You are capable of making really smart decisions. Let's look at this logically, <laughs> you know, or, or let's feel into this. If it, if it doesn't feel logical, let's feel into this because I know I'm going to come up with the right answer. I'm kind of already doing that, but it's lovely to hear from you that that really is one of the ways you do it is to kind of acknowledge that
1: it's not an evil, bad thing that's going on. Right it's just something you don't need anymore. Yeah, you're doing it naturally, right? Like you 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 know you have so much inner knowledge because you're intentional because you live with the intention of unapologetically being you, right? So you you have that inner knowledge to say, I've got to tell myself like you know, and and oftentimes when we start to play bigger, right? When we are really right when we're trying the new things or when we're going after the big launch, Contrary to what I think people think that that's when our inner critics can get even louder because now they're like, Oh, wait, danger zone. We really don't know what's happening or like, Oh, we're really going to play big. And like, we don't want you to like have hate mail. And you know, the inner critics, right? Are like, wait, now I really need to protect her. Now my job is really important because she's trying to do this big thing. And so it makes sense. And then the, the idea of of the past coming up in those situations is like such a cue to say, right, these are my wounds that are being triggered. And in order to live my best, biggest life, I need to put that aside and lead with another part of me, lead with the cheerleader part of me, lead with the part of me that the wholeness of me that knows that like, this is okay. And I would say using your voice, saying it out loud is really powerful, Joe. Like if you claim it in a moment, like and use that throat chakra and you just like, right, I don't need you. It's kind of like, you know, sometimes I talk about the inner critic, like a little kid, the little kid is going to nag you, right? Mom, hey, mom, 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 right? And the inner critic is trying to get your attention. Don't do the thing. Don't do the thing. Don't do the thing. And then you got to like look at them and be like, honey, that's a no. You're not allowed in here. Like I'm doing, I'm doing the things. Sometimes you got to have a little tough love, but it's not about engaging the inner critic. It's about holding your boundary and saying, I love you and I'm good. I don't need you. Like go take a vacation, take a rest. Mom's not going to be here making me feel bad, (laughs) you know? Exactly
0: right. Exactly. One thing I find, I don't know if you find this with the clients you work with. I sometimes find with my clients that this will show itself through them getting anxiety about future problems you alluded just then to the well if i do this thing i don't want the hate mail you know like it, it it's like it's not even a problem that you have right now you're in get i guess getting super loud and saying okay if just me whispering to you isn't working i'm going to grab some things from the future that might happen
1: <laughs> yes oh my gosh just so many places i want to go with this but one of the tools that I use with my clients that's super transformative is that we actually give that inner critic space to say what they have to say. And that is like just a visceral heart-led like just embodiment practice. And that changes how my clients see their inner critics and see that actually they are operating in their best interest. They That our inner critics do love us. They just don't have the tools because they're like, five years old. They never grew up. You know what I mean? Right. And part of the work to your question around like, ah, like what, what do we do with the clients? You know, which is really honoring what you want, really honoring the truth of your desires, the truth of your values, the truth of what you want to lead you into action. And is it fear-based or is it abundance and prosperity based and vision based and the passion that you have for the work that you do. And that's what you want to lead you. What what you want to lead you is your clients and what's possible for them, however big your mission goes. And I think when it's both of those things, it's really understanding what am I saying to myself that I don't believe that's actually not true. Mm -hmm. And part of that work is really saying, okay, well then what is true? What actually do we know for sure? And then also honoring, well, what is it that I want? And then we can start to make those choices to honor that. And it's a combination of all these things that can unlock and totally shift how frequently we have to deal with our inner critics because we're leading with a part of ourselves and We're rewiring our brain a bit about what is it we actually believe in? What is truth?
0: Absolutely. One of my past client and uh, someone I've collaborated with on on a few things now, Alicia Rodriguez, she has a saying that I just love. And it's really similar to that. It's a speak to, I think, oh, and I'm probably going to get it wrong. So I'm sorry, Alicia. And if I've got it wrong, I'll put it in the correct version (sighs) of the show notes anyway. But it's that speak to fear and let truth listen. And I think that's similar to what you're saying, isn't it? It's really listening in and, well, learning to really listen to what's
1: true, what you know to be true, because on a level, we do know truth. Yeah. We always know truth.
0: We do. Yeah.
1: It's kind of taking out the garbage that's on top of that because we can't see it anymore.
0: Exactly. Exactly. That's the important work, isn't it? Is giving people the tools to dig out that stuff that's on top of them, weighing them down, keeping them playing small, stopping them actually from making the big decision. Cause I'm a big believer that success is a decision that you make. Mm. You choose whether you're going to be successful or not. And I think the work, this work that you do is so critical to freeing people up to be able to make that choice, to be successful, to have the life they want, to have the business they want, to have the relationship they want.
1: I absolutely love it. And you said something that I think is so foundational, right? Which is like fear mindset, scarcity mindset that drives, oh, what if this thing happens, right? Or like, I don't want that bad thing to happen. And so I'm just not going to do it. And it's just such a epidemic, right? Like in terms of of how the world operates around fear and and it just feeds into scarcity, right? It's like, this deal is going to go away in 30 minutes. I hate all of that. I do too. And like, we're trained, right? To do it now or you're screwed or, you know what I mean? And it's like, no, no, no. We get to take our time and know that we are abundant. The world is abundant. And that all we have is this moment. So, when we make a choice in the moment that is aligned to our truth, that honors our desires, the fears that we may have, we have everything we need to confront whatever happens. But that the Mm -hmm. most important, I think, step, especially as it relates to like building the business and growing, you know, what you're trying to grow in the world is honor what your heart is saying is needed and know that. You've got everything you need to address whatever happens next, and that these like worst case scenario fears—oh my god, I'm going to end up on the streets. So I'm not going to be able to feed my children. That you probably have about a thousand choices that you can make to avoid that situation, and that's that inner critic getting real smart, right? Like, well, you might be homeless. In reality, you have so many tools and so many resources that you can—that that is the chance of that is like 0. 0.000. You know what I mean? But we, if we make a choice based on that, that's where we're missing. We're missing the bigness of what's possible for our lives and our business.
0: Absolutely. We're keeping ourselves really small. We're never going to taste what the life we actually want feels like. and And that's just soul destroying, I think. So I think the work that you do is so important for people. It really is. And I know that You mentioned to me before that you have like a toolkit we can put a link to in the show notes for this episode that people could
1: access. Can you tell me about that?
0: How does that, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm excited to share this because I think asking ourselves really profound questions can help us to see what's happening. So in the toolkit are some journaling questions to help you get underneath, like, how am I treating myself? What am I saying to myself? Does it serve me or not? Along with some reading options that can help you become more aware of this inner critic work. Some of it is like, you know, inner critic books and some of it is even like memoirs that speak to inner critics that people have overcome without actually saying inner critics. And in this toolkit is also an opportunity to work with me at a really intro rate for those who are like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to quiet these inner critics and shift my relationship with them.
0: And we'll put the link to that in the show notes, but where else can people find out more about you and the work you do?
1: Well, if you go to my website, coachtosca.com, that then opens the world of all the ways you can find me. You know, you can email me, you can find me on Instagram, you can find me on LinkedIn. I like to say I have a little media company going on. So, but the, but my website is a good hub to explore more. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's perfect. And I'll put a link
1: to that as well. And
0: I just want to ask you from my perspective, because I've really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like this is such a life changing kind of topic, isn't it? It's, it's a really, how can I say it? It just feels so big. I would really urge people to look you up and get a little bit more familiar with what you do, because I do think there's a lot that people can learn from you around this. So I, I just, I guess I want to really thank you. That's what I'm getting to, uh, for coming on and, and speaking so beautifully about what this process is. Because the way, when you talk about it, I feel like you have like the kindest voice and it straight away makes me feel like how could anyone carry on beating themselves up when they've had your voice in their ear? Uh, <laughs> it's no. like you have such a kind voice. Oh. And I think that's what we all need to hear sometimes is that piece about understanding that our inner critic actually was formed when we were younger and it's trying to protect us. And all we have to do is say, look, I don't need you anymore and kind of clear a path past it. I, I just love that.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. I can't agree more with this being foundational work and deep work and unlocks so much. If we have two minutes, I just want to quickly share a story. Oh, i
0: love that, you too, yes.
1: That I, I just, it just popped into my head again. It's just like honoring this. Oh, this popped in. You know, I was working with a gentleman because this is – there is no data that says that it it's different for men versus women. It just shows up differently. It presents itself yeah, differently. I get that. And I was working with this gentleman. Let's just call him John. And John came to me when he was trying to reignite his passion for this company that he had been running for seventeen years. Like he started it. At some points, it was his primary job. At other points, it was a side thing. And in that work, what we discovered is that he had an inner critic telling him what success looked like, which was very deeply steeped in messages from his parents as a child. And what he discovered was that actually, he didn't really want this business anymore. And that he he got a chance to redefine what success was for him. And once he discovered that truth it was magic. Within 6 months he sold it, but he was still on as like advisor and he decided what he really wanted. He wanted to be able to live in warm weather during the cold months, something he never gave himself permission to do, and that he actually wanted to follow the path of being a guide in people's healing journeys in in a, in a particular modality. So I just share that story because sometimes it's not about What are we trying to go after, but also what do we have to let go of to live our biggest life?
0: I completely agree with you. And that's such a beautiful illustration of that. Absolutely. You know, with him defining success on his own terms and part of that being being able to live in warmer climates, it reminded me, I once um, had a client who told me a, a similar story about a guy who just weather wise, I mean, who said that his goal in life was to be able to change the weather. And what he actually meant, of course, was to have homes in all kind of all of the different hemispheres, so that he could literally just move around the globe, changing the weather. And I always that always stuck with me. After that, I was thinking, what a brilliant goal!
1: (laughs) I love that. I'm going to borrow that. Isn't that great? It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think we should all aim to be able to change the weather for (laughs) ourselves and those we care. (laughs)
1: Yes. Hey, and with inner critic work, you get to change how you deal with the storms of life because you're always the calm in it. That's the other piece. It's like you get to experience more inner peace when you are able to not have that inner conflict of your inner critics all the time. So thank you for the space to share this topic with your audience and for your passion around this topic. It's such a blessing to be with you and share this message with so many others that I hope unlock something in their life
0: oh I know it will I know it will I think this is going to be an incredibly popular episode and I'm just really grateful I think it's a a beautiful topic to talk about and you framed it in such a wonderful accessible way again I'm going to pop some links in the show notes but I just want to thank you so much for joining me today and I am so looking forward to talking again
1: at some point thank you me too it's been a pleasure thank you you enjoyed
0: this episode and that getting our heads together this week has filled your mind with what's possible if you love the show would you do me a massive favor please would you leave a five-star rating on apple podcasts it would really help you put more heads together reach more ears and expand more minds until next week bye for now